This is KMTT, Kimitzion, Tetzei Torah. And today the Shur in Parshat HaShavua. The Shur Parshat HaShavua for Sefer Bamidbar, for the entire Sefer Bamidbar, will be given by Harav Alex Israel, who will be replacing Harav Hanoch Waxman for this, uh, for this Sefer. Shavua Tov, this is Alex Israel from Alon Shvut, and we're going to be speaking about Parshat Shalach Lecha. Uh, this week, of course, we uh, encounter the epic episode of the uh, Muraglim. And uh, actually, I would like to talk, rather than the problem of the actual Muraglim, I would like to uh, discuss this week uh, our two personalities who appear here, um, Kalev and Yoshua. We're going to spend our time this week talking about Kalev, Yoshua, and the differences between them. Um let us try and begin um, with the amazing scene when the Miraculum actually return from Eretz Yisrael with their report. It says, They come back to Moshe, Aaron, and all the people to Midbar Paran. And uh, Yes, it's a wonderful land, it's got beautiful fruit. Ephes, however, the famous Ramban, however, Ki az ha'am ha'yoshev ba'aretz v'ha'arim b'tzurok g'dolot mo'od v'gam yilidei ha'anak ra'inu sham. In other words, you know, we're very concerned about the security threats. There are fortified cities. We saw giants there. Amalek yoshev ba'aretz ha'negev. Amalek is in the south. V'chiti v'yavusi v'emri yoshev ba'ar. When the people hear this report, yes, it's good fruits, but the security problems are formidable. It is apparent that uh, the people suddenly burst into some sort of hysteria. Um, we know this because it says here, Vayahas Kalevita Am, El Moshe. Vayoma Alon Alev, Nuchala. Kalev. Kalev immediately quietens down the people and he says, We can do it. We can go up to the land. We can do it. However, the other ten men, We're not going to be able to do it. Here's the question. All the Miraglim come back with a report which gives a negative assessment. And who stands against them? Kalev. Kalev stands against them here, here in Peret Yud Gimel Pasuk Lamed. Where's Yehoshua? We know that there are ten, so to speak, bad spies, and there are two good spies, Kalev and Yehoshua. Here, Kalev stands up against the crowd. Where is Yehoshua? Yehoshua only appears later on in Peret Yud Dalad Pasuk Vav. Many Pasukim later, Yehoshua bin Nun, the Kalev ben Yifunem in the Tarimit Aretz Karubi Dehem. There, after Moshe has, falls on the floor, falls on his face, Yoshua ben Nun and Kalev ben Yifuner tear their clothes. Why, in the first instance, does Kalev stand alone against the crowd? Why did Yoshua only, at a later stage, um, chirp in? That's question number one. By the way, um, later on, Hashem reaffirms this in Perak Yudalad, Pasuk Chaftalad, Vavdi Kalev Ekev Haitaruach Acheretimo. 
Avdi Kalev, my servant Kalev, had a different spirit. What is this different spirit of Kalev? What animates Kalev to stand there? And why did Yoshua, why was he so slow to act? Let me add a second question. Our second question is going to relate to the opening lines in which the Muraglim are all listed. We hear the names of all the different uh, spies. And uh, suddenly it says at the end of the whole list, Moshe named Hoshea Binun, he gave him the name Yehoshua. Now there's an interesting uh, discussion about whether he named him this name at this point or at an earlier point. The Ramban suggests that maybe during the war with Amalek he was named this way. But uh, whenever Yehoshua was named, it's mentioned here, and it's mentioned here for a reason. Why is Yehoshua singled out to have a particular name change by Moshe Rabbeinu here? Um, and what about Kalev? And why is Yehoshua singled out? What is going on here? So we have a number of questions which have to be, be resolved. Um, maybe let's uh, try and begin solving this with maybe even a third question. And the third question is going to come uh, from a famous pasuk um, in the story of the Muraglim. The Muraglim go into Eretz Yisrael. It says, mm-hmm. The Muraglim go around the entire land from Midbarzin to the very north, Chamat in the north. And then it says, It seems like they're describing their route. They went through the Negev. Vayavo ad Hebron. The Gemara in Sotad of Lamadalad says, Vayaluba Negev is the plural. Vayavo ad Hebron is singular. They went up in the Negev and he went into Hebron. And it mentions there, Vasham, Achiman, Vashishai, Vitalmai, Lideha Anak. And that's where all of those giants live. What's going on here? So here the Gemara steps in, and, and, and Rashi quotes this Gemara, but we'll, we'll read it from the Gemara. Shouldn't it say, and they went into Hebron? Amar Rava, so Rava says, Kalev went alone, away from the Maraglim. And he went to pray by the Kivrei Avot. Amar lahen avotai bakshu alai rachamim. Oh my, he says, my forefathers, please plead for mercy for me. That I should be saved from the conspiracy of the spies. Now you'll say, hold on a second. Kalev went to pray at Kever Machpelah. What about Yehoshua? So the Gemara continues, Yehoshua kvar bikesh Moshe alav rachamim. Yoshua, Moshe had already prayed for him. When Moshe changed Hoshea's name to Yoshua, they actually make a what is Yehoshua? Let God save you from the conspiracy of the Maraglim. In other words, Moshe had already designated Yehoshua. Hoshea as Yehoshua, and in that included a prayer for his well-being. However, Kalev was not given that uh, immunity, he was not given those prayers, and he had to pray for himself. He had to pray for himself, and that's, as the Gemara continues, Kalev Ekev Haita Ruach 
Khalif had a different spirit. He had an independent spirit. So, what, what, what is going on here? Um, what do we take from this Gemara? I think this Gemara here makes a very deeply insightful contrast between Kalev and Yoshua. And, and this is where our focus is going to begin. Kalev has, has a different spirit. He has an independence of opinion. Kalev, with his strong will and independent mind, realizes the immense psychological pressure of the group and he decides to enter Hebron alone in order to ask God to pray. Now, let's understand that Kalev, well, there are a couple of things that we're going to understand about this. Number one, Kalev receives his inspiration in Hebron. Um, he must be quite, quite somebody because Kalev here, um, Hebron is, is, is the terrifying place. The thing which turns the Meraglim off is exactly the giants. It seems like all the all the other spies are cowering at the outskirts of Hebron, uh, hiding behind the rocks and the undergrowth. And Kalev strides in through the main gate, unafraid of anyone, um, walking straight past those giants standing at the gate, and not afraid. Kalev has an independence of spirit. Of course, this Gemara says that Yehoshua didn't go with him. He didn't need to. He drew his inspiration from, from Moshe. Moshe said, Ya Yoshiach Ha'am But if we can take it a little deeper, let's understand, we're saying, Yehoshua gains his fortitude from Moshe. What do we mean by this? And in a minute we're going to go deeper in to try and describe their personalities, but at, at this stage let's simply say this. Yehoshua gains his, his strength from Moshe. Yehoshua is Moshe's man. Yehoshua is not a, a new figure to us. We've seen Yehoshua um, all the way back with the War of Amalek. There he proved his military uh, fortitude there, his military, his military strength and experience. But there it says that uh, Hashem told Moshe to choose men and to uh, go and fight Amalek. And indeed, uh, Moshe chooses Yehoshua. Later we find that uh, Yehoshua is there once again at Har Sinai. As Moshe goes up for 40 days and 40 nights, who goes with him? Yehoshua waits halfway at the mountain and he remains there for 40 days and 40 nights as a loyal servant with, 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 with Moshe. And later on, when Moshe gets Nevoah, Yehoshua the Nar lo yamish mitocha ohel. Yehoshua has a long history of uh, being a sidekick, a personal assistant to 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 uh, Moshe, and it would appear that Yoshua's inner strength uh, comes from this position of his uh, being allied with uh, Moshe himself. He is the prodigy. He is the um, person who is. Um, walking the corridors of government, sitting in the cabinet room, uh, the advisor to, to the leader himself. Um, and so Yoshua, as, as Moshe's assistant, is rooted in the very epicenter of the power structure of the Midbar. He is there as a governmental figure. He works within the system. He's an establishment person. That's Yoshua. 
um, it would appear that that's where he gets his strength, and we'll see. That strength of Yehoshua um, is going to be very, very important, but it's also going to have certain problems associated with it. So again, what have I what have I said? I've said Yehoshua, if you want, he knows how to walk, you know, walk the corridors of power. He, if you remember in Parashat Balotcha, when there was a challenge to Moshe's Nevuah, Adoni Moshe Klaim, he wanted to stop Eldar Umeidad. He understands how leadership works. He is Moshe's man. But who, who is Kalev? Kalev is a new person. We haven't seen him before. What is? What sort of a person is he? We've already spoken about the fact that Kalev, um, he's not being groomed for future leadership. He's a new face. Um, what's what, who? Who is he? Um, so let's try. Let's try and understand a little bit about about Kalev. Um, it's clear, by the way, that Kalev. Uh, you know, the midrash here said that Kalev went into Hebron. So how do we know that? I mean, it's very nice. It says, Vayalu, plural, Manegev, Vayavo, singular, Ad Chevron. But how do we really know that he went into Chevron? We actually know it from the book of Yehoshua later on. If you look in Yehoshua chapter 14, there's a fascinating scene. Moshe hasn't even really, uh, sorry, Yehoshua hasn't even divided up the land. And... Um, it would appear that all the tribes are still waiting to be designated. And suddenly, along comes Shevet Yehuda. Shevet Yehuda is led by Kalev. And it says like this, Yehuda come to Yehoshua in Gilgal. Kalev ben Don't you remember what God said to us all those years back? Ben Arba'im Shana Anochi Bishloch Moshe Eben Hashem Otimi Kadesh Barnea. I was forty, says Kalev, when I was sent as one of the Muraglim, Loragelet Aretz. Ve'ishev Oto Davar Kashem Lovavi. And I returned back a report, an independent report. And he says there, um, it's in Yoshua Perikudala Pasuk Tet. Moshe swore to me on that day, the land which your feet trod on, that will be your inheritance in the land. And he says, And now it's 45 years later. He says more than that. He says, I am now 85. I am as strong as I was then for war, to lead, to go in, to go out. I am just as strong. I have the same drive. I have the same strength. And he says, I demand that mountain which I was given. And what mountain does he say? It says, It is not from the drush in Parshat Shalachacha that we learn that Hebron belongs to Kalev. It is from the story in Yehoshua. He says, God promised me the land which I, would, I trod on, and I want Hebron. Hebron is the land which was promised to me because I trod there on the on, on that day.
However, we learn a, a great deal more about Kalev uh, when we read this story. Look at Kalev here. Kalev is somebody who takes the initiative. Kalev demands, give me that land. Later on in the story, we find Kalev, he's trying to encourage people to capture different cities in Yehuda. He is the head of Yehuda. And we have situations where he says, um, okay, whoever... He starts giving incentives. He turns around to Sheva Yehuda and says, Okay, whoever, catches, whoever captures Kiryat Sefa will marry my daughter. Marry the daughter of the Nasi. What sort of a person is Kalev? Kalev is somebody who at age 85 says, I'm still full of strength. I'm fearless. I want this land. I demand Hebron. Um, what, what, what's happening here? Um... This passion uh, about Kalev uh, tells us a little bit about his, his initiative, his enterprise, um, his independence of spirit. Um, let's go back to the scene in which the Maraglim, which we started off with, with the, with the Maraglim, where the Maraglim come home. Um, Kalev is not afraid of confrontation. Kalev heard the tone for 40 days and 40 nights he knew uh, the, the lack of security the worries the inner doubts which the uh, Muraglim had expressed he had sat with them uh, around the campfire um, discussing the land they explored and he had always been a a lone voice of confidence we can do it and he was greeted with despair and disillusionment by his fellow Muraglim. Khalif disagreed with his colleagues. He's the only one who went into Hebron. He wasn't afraid. Um, later on, he's the person who, who demands to capture the land. He's the Mitnachel. He's the settler. He stands there and he says, I want this land and I'm going forward. And he goes there with his Uzi and, and decides he's going to capture it. He's, he's not swayed by public opinion. And indeed, that's exactly what happens when he comes back to the camp. The Maraglim come back to the camp, and they give this bad report, this fearful report, where they, they doubt their ability to be able to capture the land. And Kalev is not afraid to stand one against eleven. Um, in fact, they probably expected to hear him say that. As they stand before the people of Israel, um, and he hears their assessment, um, which he knows exactly what they're going to say. He, he'd prepared for this moment. He knew he had to be outspoken. By the way, this, this leaves us with a, with a serious question again. Why, why did Yoshua stay quiet? At this point, why did Yoshua stay quiet? Um, so here I think we can suggest two possibilities. Uh, it's possible that Yoshua... Um, heard the report of the spies. He heard it every day, but uh, he didn't feel that it was his place to respond. And why? Because he's standing before Moshe Rabbeinu. He's standing before his mentor, his leader. How can the subordinates respond when his, when his mentor is standing right there? The Talmud doesn't talk, Lifnei Rabbo. Yeshua was sure that Moshe would find a way to bring matters under control and to calm down the situation. Maybe initially when the Muraglim gave their report here in Shalach Lecha, 
The reason why only Kalei stands up and not Yoshua is that Yoshua, again, being a government man, being a man who understands authority, he assumed that Moshe would, 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 would take the situation under control and confront the Meraglim. By the way, this totally explains the moment in which Yoshua joins Kalev in his uh, public opposition to Meraglim. If I'm correct that Yoshua was waiting for Moshe to make his move, um, then maybe we also understand the point at which Yoshua stands up. Of course, the Psukim say like this, uh, the people cry all night and all that sort of stuff, Perek Yudalad, and it says, Vayomru Ishel Achiv Nitna Israel. The Meraglin came back, Kale fought them, Yeshua remains uh, silent because he's waiting for Moshe to do something. But at a certain point, Moshe When does Yeshua step in? Yeshua steps in at the very moment in which Moshe Rabbeinu gives up. Moshe falls on his face in despair or possibly in prayer. But uh, whichever way, Moshe at this point is not facing the people, he is facing the ground. He is Vayipol al Panav. He's given up hope of convincing these, these rebels, these insidious group. If Moshe can't act, then now Yehoshua can act. Yehoshua didn't act all the time. He thought that Moshe would, would do something. He was waiting for Moshe to take a, take a step, but now Moshe's not taking a step. Suddenly Yehoshua joins Kalev. He was intending on being with Kalev the whole time, but he was waiting for Moshe. Now that Moshe is not doing anything, Yehoshua steps in. However, there is a, a different possibility. Um, and this possibility I heard uh, some years ago, Rabbi Maidan wrote this actually in an article about the Meraglim. And he, he said the following. He said that uh, maybe um, Yoshua is, is a bit of a politician. Yoshua understood that any individual however brave or, brave or courageous, wouldn't have the power to overwhelm uh, the Meraglim. And they wouldn't, I'd say even more than that, if we have a nation whose leaders are the ten spies um, who, can't, who have such negative views, um, Yoshua came to the conclusion that a nation whose leaders saw themselves so helpless, they say, we saw ourselves as grasshoppers. They would be unable to face the military challenge that, 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 that faced them. Um, what did he think? Maybe he preferred to remain quiet amongst the ten spies, not to enter Hebron. Uh, possibly around the campfire at night he debated with the spies and tried to convince them of a different view. But if he failed to convince them, he, he didn't want to go head to head. Um, because what's he? what does he want to do? Um, I assume he thinks that Okay, the Meraglim will come back with a bad report, but eventually Moshe will find a solution, things will be turned around, and that we, okay, even if we have to stall the entrance to Eretz Canaan, it will take a while, but eventually we'll get there. So again, maybe we understand that uh, Yoshua had assessed things politically and realized, okay, this is going in the wrong direction, and uh, there's not much to salvage at this point, uh, but eventually... Um, things will change. Or we can change and we can maneuver them. We'll talk to the publicists. We'll talk to the marketing people. We'll find, uh, you know, do a new campaign about Eretz Yisrael and change everybody's mind. Okay, so what changes? What changes for Yoshua? So it's very simple. 
I'll read the Pesukim again. The people cry all night. And they complain against Moshe and Aaron. We wish we'd died. Why is God bringing us into this land? We're all going to die. In the shame of a tapenu yulavaz. Our wives and children will be captured. Maybe we should go back to Egypt. And then, in the next... Now, until then, these are complaints that we've heard. We've heard them in Parashat Bashalach. We heard them last week in Parashat Balotcha. But now, in the critical Pasuk, Perak Yudalad, Pasuk Dalad, Vayomru Ish Elachiv, Nitna Rosh V'nashuva Mitzrayim. Nitna Rosh, which a lot of people understand as meaning, let us appoint a new leader, and let us go back to Egypt. Wow. In other words, what are they saying? They're saying, we really want to go back. Now, what does this mean? If the people are really talking about going back to Egypt, this is quite something. I mean, the Aseret Dibrot, which we've read on, on, on Shavuot just a couple of weeks ago, Anochi Hashem Elokecha Asher Hotzeiticha Me'eretz Bitzrayim Avadim. The entire Jewish religion, the entire Jewish faith, the belief in Anochi Hashem Elokecha, is predicated upon Asher Hotzeiticha Me'eretz Bitzrayim Beit Avadim. The notion that we are an independent nation, that we have our own destiny, that we have our own separate national entity in order to worship God. That's what it's about. If we go down to Egypt, what are we going to be doing? If we go back to Egypt, we are going to have to go and apologize to Pharaoh about all the plagues, and apologize that we ever believed in God, and apologize about Kriyat Yamsuf, and apologize. We will basically be capitulating the entire religion. We will basically be saying goodbye to our Kodesh Baruch Hu. We're not just saying goodbye to the Midbar, goodbye to Eretz Israel. We're saying goodbye to God Himself. We're saying goodbye to Judaism. The notion of going back to Egypt is a fundamental reversal of everything. Everything in our religion. And Yeshua understood that. Maybe Yeshua did assess the reason why he stayed so quiet, the reason why he didn't confront the rebels when they came back with their bad report, was because he thought it was a waste of time. Ten against two are never going to uh, are never going to prevail against the ten. What are you going to do? There's no point even saying the truth. He's a politician. He knows how it works. But sometimes when people are... are, are, are Breaking all the all the lines, all the red lines, the truth needs to be said. In other words, at what point does Yeshua intervene? If Yeshua is, is, is a man who is measured and calculating, maybe Yeshua assessed um, his intervention as being, you know, uninfluential. But, or maybe he thought, I don't know, maybe he thought the damage of the spies could be contained, etc. But, when there was an attack on the very essence of our being as a nation, this was a moment where you can't stand at the sidelines. You have to take sides. Um, you have to make a statement. Yoshua knows exactly which side he's on. He might be a realist. He knows the spies are dangerous, but um, Yoshua is also a man of truth. And Yoshua uh, knows that when the very unimamin of Judaism is under attack, when our very essence is in question, Yeshua has to stand against the people declaring truth because it is truth, even if it won't have any effect. Because like every other prophet after him, some things need to be said because they are Devar Hashem.
And then what you have to do is, as he does, tear his clothes, mourn the tragedy, but what you've got to do is you've got to look people in the eyes and say loud and clear, this is the truth. So, if we can explain, uh, summarize what we've said, we've described two different leaders. Kalev is the daring leader, the Ruach HaKaret, the independent operator. He doesn't have a history of leadership, and he speaks truth. He knows exactly where he stands. He knows that Eretz Yisrael can be captured if only you believe in it. He knows that giants, you can find a way of defeating them. He knows that if you care enough about the land, no obstacle is too formidable. Of course, the other spies didn't share that assessment. Somehow the other spies were far more... Uh, practical, far more fearful. Kalev um, had that independence of spirit. How about Yoshua? Well, Yoshua was described as being far more measured, far more grey-suited, uh, far more of an institutional man. And yet, Yoshua, and Yoshua works within the system. And that's maybe why Yoshua initially, um, well, that's why we've described Yoshua as the blessing of Moshe to Yoshua says, Yoshua is really Moshe's man. We've described that how Yoshua is waiting for Moshe to make a move. But when Moshe doesn't make a move, he steps in there. Maybe even more than that, Yoshua is the politician. He understands how the nation works. He realizes the nation are going to be swayed by the Moraglim, but assumes that something can be done. But he, he stands up when he realizes that things are spinning out of control. And he stands there, understanding when people are confronting and undermining the very fundamental beliefs of the religion, that he has to stand there. And therefore... Um, Yoshua and Kalev have exceptionally different personalities, and yet uh, they, they both, it's very interesting, by the way, that they, they remain the only two people to go into Eretz Israel. They lead to different tribes, uh, be it Ephraim on the one hand, um, the Yosef faction of the family, and Yehuda on the other hand, two very different energies within the nation. Yoshua and Kalev represent those energies in many ways. Um, two very different people, two very different leaders. Um, Yeshua's realism, his moderation, his experience, um, and, and, and Kalev's, um, if you want, his ruggedness, his independence, his passion, his very unfiltered ide- idealism which, which leads him. Um, for us, first of all, hopefully now we understand a bit more about the parsha. but let me add one further thing, which is that sometimes we have one particular definition of a leader, and we see leadership in, in, in only a certain way. There's, we, ha- we have a particular model of a leader, and uh, we, if we don't accord to that, we don't um, confront ourselves with leadership. But of course, uh, what we see here is there are places for many different personality types within Am Yisrael. Uh, there are the team players, and um, then there are the free spirits. There are the people who um, are the moderates, and then there are people who are the passionate uh, uh, people on the side, and uh, the loners. And uh, the one condition to become a leader is that we follow our Kaddish Baruch Hu, that we follow God's plan. And if we follow that plan, uh, the plan that leads to, to the promised land, to, then, then, then we can be a Jewish leader. There's a, a place in Am Yisrael for many, many different um, sets of ideals, for many different personalities and character types. Um, but as long as we lead, B'Shem Hashem, to fulfill the goals of the Torah. Thank you very much, and Shabbat Shalom.